Okay. <laughs> Praise God. Do we have our Bibles today? You got them? All right. Uh, turn or click to Matthew chapter 5, if you will. And uh, we have, uh, we're, we're going to be putting the graphics back on the screen in just a little bit, so you be patient with us. We've had some internet issues today. Some of you are playing Pokemon Go during church. You know who you are. So, Gosh, wouldn't that be funny? You're reading the scripture and all of a sudden some big Pikachu pops up. Some of you have no idea what a Pikachu is, and I really don't either. So, Matthew chapter 5. We uh, started a few weeks ago, we started a brand new series called I'm In. And we've been uh, playing off that word uh, in to talk about different promises and different expectations that the Lord has for us. And uh, we've covered, uh, so far, we've covered a couple of things. Two weeks ago, when we started the, the, um, the series, we shared a message called, I'm Invited. And we talked about how all of us are invited to be a part of the family of God. Then last week, we shared a message entitled, I'm invaluable, and how each and every one of us has value in the kingdom. No matter what anybody else says, God sees our value, and we are a very important part of the kingdom. Now today, I want to continue this series, and I want to share uh, on this subject, I'm influential. I'm influential. If I were to ask the definition of an influence or, or who a person who is a good influence, a lot of us, I think, would maybe bring out a teacher, a, uh, a coach, uh, maybe a person who is a celebrity who's doing really good things for the Lord, um, maybe somebody who has a big social media presence. But I will tell you today, and you're going to hear me say this a lot, that influence starts with people, not a platform. Influence starts with people, not a platform. This will be very significant to those of you who think that you have nothing to offer of influence in the kingdom of God. I'm here to tell you that you do. And in Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 13, we're going to take a look at a real popular scripture that talks all about uh, being an influence. But keep your Bibles handy because we're not going to stop there. We're going uh, to continue with that as well. So if you're able to, would you stand with me in honor of God's word? And we're going to look at Matthew chapter 5. We're going to start in verse 13, verse 16. And if our screens aren't working today, then ladies and gentlemen, I'm just going to go old school. Y'all ready? Okay, I can do that. All right. Verse 13 says this, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, 
they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Will you pray with me? Lord, we come to you today, and it's in the mighty name of Jesus that we do so. We pray, Lord God, that nothing would keep us from receiving from you the word that you have for us today. So we ask you, Lord God, that you would touch our hearts and touch our spirits. And God, I pray that you would change us and bring us closer to you. And Lord, we'll thank you for what you do. We'll give you glory for everything that's done. In the mighty name of Jesus, we ask all this. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. That looks good. All right. All right. Salt and light. Salt and light. I love the comparison that Jesus makes, comparing us to salt and light. Turn to the person next to you and say, you're a little salty. (laughs) No, don't do that. Okay. Some of you say, I've been wanting to say that for years. Yeah, you know you are. Let me make this statement. If, if you follow our social media, you'll, you'll see this posted on our social media later today. You have no idea how one conversation, one word of encouragement, or one expression of love might change someone's life. Let me say that again because it's a little wordy. You have no idea how one conversation one word of encouragement or one expression of love might change someone's life. See, I will tell you that a lot, a lot of us, you know, oh, I want my family to, to come to know Christ and I, and I want, you know, my family to make better decisions and, and, and if they could only just come on a Sunday, if they could only, you know, have, have a church service to go to, I will tell you, and I'm not diminishing the role of this dynamic right here. In fact, I think it's very important. But you have no idea how much of a factor your influence can be just through the kind word, just through the encouragement, just through the listening ear. God has placed you, everybody here, understand this, no matter what age you are, God has placed everybody here in order for you to be salt and light. What does salt do? Salt adds flavor to things. If you go to the movie theater with my son and me, when we're catching the latest superhero movie, my son's in charge of salting the popcorn. Maybe I should put it this way. He is in charge of adding popcorn to the salt. (laughs) Am I right? It's just wow. And it's so delicious. I'm just telling you. (laughs) And good for you. Um, (laughs) right? Yeah. I got to start thinking about this stuff now then. Anyway, uh, but salt not only adds flavor to things, salt also purifies things. Salt preserves things. And so when Jesus says that you are the salt of the earth, that, that's what Jesus is looking at. He, he is expecting his people to be a purifying influence, a uh, Uh, A a person that helps to preserve other people. A a person that adds a little flavor to life. 
And you're the light of the world. You are the light of the world. Oh, church, we live in such a dark world right now. Man, I almost hate to turn on the news anymore. But do you know that if we were to blacken this entire room and I were just to turn on the flashlight on my phone, this light would penetrate that darkness. Now, it's, it's, it's not a lighthouse. <laughs> it, it's, not a big, it's not a big spotlight, but it's a light. And you are the light of the world. Light penetrates darkness. See, the power that the Lord has given us is a power that penetrates this dark world. The Lord has called each and every one of you to be an influence. And again, influence does not begin with a platform. Influence begins with people. Well, pa- you know, Pastor Phil, you're, you know, you're a bigger influence because, you know, you preach and now you're an online superstar. And, uh, <laughs> and those of you who don't know me, that is as sarcastic as I'm going to, well, not as I'm going to get, but as I can be. And, and I got to tell you that please don't diminish your influence just because I happen to speak to a bunch of people every single week in one way, shape, or form. That, that's, I might have a different platform, but influence starts with people. See, you've been placed at your workplace to be an influence on the people that are at that workplace. You have been placed in the neighborhood that you're at to be an influence in that neighborhood for Jesus Christ. You have been placed in the family that you are in. As much as you might think that they're kind of crazy, or as much as you think that they're a lot of high maintenance, but let me tell you, you have been placed there, follower of Jesus, to be an influence. Because influence doesn't start with a platform. It starts with people. Today, I want to take a look at somebody who would be the last person you would choose to be an influence for Jesus. I want to take a look at somebody who is probably the most unlikely person that you would ever guess would be and influence for the Lord. I see graphics. Oh, cool. All right. Thank you. Big hand to our tech team. They're just like, you know, sometimes you can't control stuff. And how many of you know that there will be no sound equipment in heaven? Right? Right? Okay. So let's go to slide number four, uh, wherever you guys are at back there. Uh, I, I want to take a look at this statement one more time. You have no idea how one conversation, one word of encouragement, one expression of love might change someone's life. So let's direct our attention to John chapter 4. If you want to grab your Bibles or scroll in your your Bible app, if you go to John chapter 4, Jesus has an encounter with a woman, a Samaritan woman, 
in Samaria at a well. And I will tell you that this woman probably would not be my first choice to be an influence for the Lord. But we're going to find that after this encounter, Jesus used her to touch an entire location. So let's start this off here. And I want to take a look at three parts of this story. Now, I won't read all of John chapter 4. I just want to focus on Jesus' interaction with this woman. And boy, we are all over the place. This is great. Uh, So number one, I want to take a look at the well. Marty, go ahead and go to that slide. That's perfect. I want to take a look at the well. Okay? John chapter 4, starting in verses 3 through 6. Look at this. So he left Judea and he went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. I want you to keep that verse in mind. He, Jesus, had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. And Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. Look at verse 4 again. Jesus had to go through Samaria. Jesus had to go through Samaria. May I ask you, was Jesus Jewish? Okay, sign language for yes. Yes. Yes, Jesus was Jewish. Now here's the deal, okay? Jews and Gentiles didn't really get along well. But worse than that, you ready for this? Samaritans were half-breeds of Jews and Gentiles. Nobody liked them. And so a Jewish man, Jewish custom, Jewish routine would be this. I'm not going through Samaria. I'm going around Samaria. But Jesus, being a Jewish man, had to go through a place that a Jewish man normally wouldn't go through. I'm talking about the well. I'm talking about the well. You see, Jesus was taken to a place that would have been outside of a Jewish man's routine. But he had an encounter with somebody who needed the Lord, who needed to experience him. I hope you're getting this. You see, how many of you know that some of those minor interruptions to your routine might actually be a well that God has brought you to to influence someone for the Lord. I'm a creature of habit, okay? If you know me, I'm wired in such a way, I, I, like, my, I like my routine. How many of you are like me? You, you like your routine. Okay. okay, three honest people. That's nice. Okay, that's great, great. Come to the altar, liars. Come on, we're going to deliver. And... and and so, so when my routine gets messed up, uh, mm, 
I just see that as an annoyance. You know, right now, because what Summit County needs, by the way, is another roundabout. And and so, (laughs) oh my goodness. So, so construction is, has closed the road that I normally take to work to, to the church. Okay. I don't like this. I don't like this. And so for three months, I have to go a different way to my office. I have to go a different way to church. I'm telling you folks, this is throwing me for a loop. It is messing me up. And, and, and my son and I are always trying to compare notes. Which way did you go today? Well, I went this way. Oh, no, 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 go, go this way. We're trying to find that secret route. By the time we figure out the secret route, the dumb roundabout's going to be there in the first place and I'll just have to take it. So my routine is just, is, it's, it's like important to me. So like if I'm in the midst of a routine in my day, in my office, when I'm shopping, when I'm running errands, if that routine gets interrupted, I've learned that if I want to be a person of influence, maybe I should be a little bit more sensitive to the, to the interruptions in my routine that Jesus gives me. Maybe I'm at the store and I really want to get back home because I hate the store. And, and somebody... Somebody wants to talk to me at the store. And now, here's how my mind is wired. I really want to get home. I've got to mow the lawn. Or I'll take a nap. I'll probably take a nap. <laughs> if you've seen my grass, you'd know I take a lot of naps. And uh, so my mentality is, okay, okay th- this is how it's supposed to go. But, but, but what, what's going on? It's an interruption. It's different than my routine. Could it be that God places somebody in my path because he wants me to speak that one word of encouragement or he wants me to be that listening ear or he wants me just to show the love of Jesus Christ to somebody who I had no idea that they needed it, but God put them on aisle five at Giant Eagle when I happened to be there because they needed to hear from me. You see, I'm learning in my life, in my spiritual journey, I'm learning to recognize the wells in my life. I'm learning to recognize the moments that are outside of my routine, but there's somebody at the well, and I've learned, and maybe it's with a cashier. You know, it's like, well, I, you know, I didn't think I was going to spend so much time here at the cashier, but she's telling me about the surgery that she's facing. I'm thinking, whoa, okay, I didn't sign up for this, Lord, but, but wow, I better listen here. And to tell her that I'm praying for her. And then she remembers that. And then the next time that I see her at that store or at that, gas, at, at that gas station, hey, my surgery went okay. Thank you for praying for me. It's like, whoa. Whoa. That was an interruption. God forbid that I take 15 extra seconds in my day before I get in my car. God uses interruptions. God uses the wells in your life. What are the wells in your life? What are the wells? What are those minor interruptions that you think are a nuisance, but actually they are planted there by God? 
And that leads me to number two. I've only got three points here on this, on, on this whole interaction. First one was the well. Secondly, the woman. Oh, this woman. Whew. This woman definitely needed a Bethmore Bible study. Can you say amen? You, you don't believe me? Well, I'll show you. Starting in verse 7, we read about the woman. It says, When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? The disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. And Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. See, the mere fact that a Jewish man is speaking to a woman in that culture was outside the norm. The very fact that a Jewish man was speaking to a Samaritan woman, that was way beyond understandable for anybody embedded in either of those cultures. And so here's, you know what Jesus is doing? Jesus is looking at a woman who has been mistreated by others, and he's speaking lovingly to her. Never once are we going to read that Jesus approved of her sin. Never once are we going to see that Jesus said, it's okay, keep doing what you're doing. No, but on the flip side, never, never did he express hate to her whatsoever. Christians, we are so good at letting people know what we are against, but we're not very good at showing people what we are for. We are very good at stating what we hate, but we won't, we won't be so kind to share with people who we love. Jesus encountered this woman who had been mistreated. Look, there are many people who have been mistreated by others that need to be shown the love of Jesus. And they're in your life. They're in your circle. They may have made some really bad choices. They may be embedded in a sin right now. They, they may have the worst attitude. They may have come after you online. How do you respond to that? They need the love of Jesus. Can I remind you, by the way, that People who hurt you have been hurt themselves. Let me say it again. I'll I'll put it this way. Hurting people hurt people. People who say bad things about me, if they do, and sometimes real courageously, like behind a phone. Now, my Phil Anderson's first internal instinct is to, let's get them. Okay. And not physically, but, you know, just, you know, let's, let's belittle them. That, that's my flesh, okay? But then the Spirit, thank God for the Holy Spirit. But then the Holy Spirit says, Phil, you've got to crucify that attitude because that person needs me. 
Because you have no idea how one encouraging word can have an impact on someone's life. Jesus' interaction with this woman continues in, in verses 15 through 18. Take a look at these. It says this, John 4, verses 15 through 18. Let's go ahead and put that on the screen. The woman said to him, Okay, uh, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, <laughs> This is where it gets interesting, right? He told her, Go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you've had five husbands. And the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Mic drop. Can can you imagine Jesus is having a conversation with a woman, with the Samaritan woman. And he's having a conversation with a Samaritan woman with a lot of baggage. She's been married and divorced five times. And now she's shacking up with a guy. And Jesus looks at her. And he does not see the immoral woman. What he sees is a miracle about to happen. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. See, Jesus doesn't look at her as the immoral woman. Jesus sees her as that miracle that's about to take place. Think of who you are before Jesus, some of you. Jesus didn't see you as that person. He saw you as a miracle waiting to happen. How do you respond when you see people who are so far from God? Well, I don't know. I don't want sinner cooties. I better stay away from that. And Jesus sees her. And he sees, yeah, yeah, you've... You've had some issues. You're in an issue right now. In fact, some have said, because it was 12 noon when she was getting water, not the time of day that you get water. It's usually either early in the morning or late at night. But she's going at the middle of the day when nobody else would be around. Probably so that she wouldn't get made fun of or mistreated by the people who would normally be at the well. It's at this moment when she thought she was all by herself that she encountered Jesus. And that brings me to number three. We've seen the well, we've seen the woman. Take a look at the witness. Something takes place here. Now, after Jesus kind of exposes what this woman's going through, I'm not going to take the time to read it, but she gets into a little argument with Jesus about worship. And this is funny, by the way, because when our culture has their sin exposed by the Holy Spirit, oftentimes the response of that culture is to argue. 
or to debate the church. Well, you're just... Blah, blah, blah. And, and, and this woman goes there. She starts arguing with Jesus, and Jesus doesn't fall for it. He, he continues to show her the love of Jesus to the point in verse 28. Look at this. Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? And they came, <laughs> they came out of the town and made their way toward him. So first of all, I want you to understand this. If you're watching online or if you're in this room here today, no matter how bad your life is messed up, you are not too far gone for the love of Jesus to reach into your life. There are no lost cases under the sound of my voice. There are no hopeless causes in this room watching us online. Regardless of what you've done, regardless of the mistakes that you've made, regardless of the bad decisions that you have made, regardless of the sin that you're stuck in right now, regardless of the bad circumstance that you are in, you are not too far from the reach of Jesus Christ. In fact, nobody is too far from the reach of Jesus Christ. Understand when I when I find somebody who is not serving Jesus, I always put the word yet. They don't know the Lord yet. They're not saved yet because for me, I will not give up on one person while they're still breathing on this earth. There's not one hopeless cause, no matter what you, you might think, oh, pastor, you don't know. I've made some terrible mistakes. I've done some stupid things. I, 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 my life is a mess. You're perfect for God right now. He will take you just as you are. We don't clean the car before we go to the car wash. We don't. Don't think you've got to get yourself right before you come to the one that can make you right. Jesus is the one that does the miracle. But then look at verse 39. Here, here we go with influence. You ready? Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. Okay, read that again. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in Jesus because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. And they said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. The outcast became an influence. The one that everybody rejected was used by Jesus. And do you think, do you think that he can't use you? All you got to do is know this. All you got to do is know Jesus and care about the people that are around you. I don't have a degree. Ooh. Not necessary. I've not been through it like a, a next step type course. I've not been in the church long enough to be. This woman just met Jesus. And an entire city believed in Jesus. Because of a woman who was an absolute mess. 
take a look at this graphic. This will also be on our social media today. You don't have to have your life all together to influence someone for Jesus. You don't. Now, I'm not saying go out and do whatever you want to do. It doesn't matter. I'm not saying that. But if you think you've got to be somehow perfect, you don't. I've got to have the perfect marriage. No, no, you don't. Well, I've got to be eloquent. <laughs> no, you don't. No, you don't. i still got some hang-ups. There, there's a lot that Jesus has to do in me. Nowhere do we say that this woman broke up with the guy she was shacking up with. This woman left her water jar at the well and told everyone this could be the Messiah. This man told me everything I ever did. And that's all it took. Could he use you? Again, influence. It doesn't start with a platform. It starts with people. Who did God use? She wasn't an Instagram star. She was not a professional athlete. She was not a pastor or a preacher. She was not a celebrity. She was just a regular, ordinary, everyday, broken, sinful woman who was transformed by Jesus. I'm looking around. I don't see many celebrities in here. But I'm, what I'm looking at are some people who were once lost, but now they've been found. Your life was a mess, and now it's not the case anymore. God, God has transformed you, and He can use you as an influence. So what, what does that look like? I'm going to close with this. Jonathan, if you can help me out. When you greet somebody on a Sunday, you have no idea how that simple greeting could make a difference. When someone comes into church and you help somebody who may be a little bit nervous, you've become an influence. When you see somebody at the store who needs help and you help them, you've become an influence. When, when you just listen, <laughs> Not even saying a word, but, but just listening to somebody. You've become an influence in their lives. When you post a scripture online, you become an influence. Are you hearing what I'm saying here today? It's when we represent the love of Jesus. My prayer is that we would be incredibly sensitive to the nudges of the Holy Spirit and those interruptions where we find ourselves at a well, a desk, a porch, a parking lot, an aisle, an online conversation that we weren't expecting to have. But God has dropped that for you to be an influence on somebody. I'm going to close with these words, and I want you to hear this very, very closely. Just because we don't see the immediate result, it doesn't mean God didn't use the seed that was planted. We need a lot more seed planters. I've got a patch of dirt in my backyard that I'm trying to grow grass. 
It's not going well. And I've learned the value of the whole work to make this happen. You can't just throw seed. You kind of got to till the ground a little bit. Throw the seed on there. Fertilize it. Water it. Keep my dogs away from it. There's a whole process that goes into this. You're part of the process in someone's life. Maybe you're planting a seed. Then maybe somebody else waters. And then at that moment, when they know they need to be transformed by Jesus, they, they give their life to Christ. You see, you don't have to hear just as I am playing in the, in the background and, and have hundreds coming to the altar for you to make a difference in someone's life because you have no idea how much of a difference one encouraging word, one greeting, one act of love can make in someone's life. You have been called, child of God, to be an influence. It takes people who will be sensitive to His Holy Spirit to get to their wells, recognize those wells, and to be used by God to do that. Will you bow your heads, all of us, as we close out here? I wonder, to those who you would consider yourself a follower of Jesus, I I wonder if there's anybody here you would say, you know, Pastor, uh, yes, I, I recognize that I can be an influence this week. And, and, and I, want, I want to be sensitive to his spirit. I want to recognize the wells in my life. I want to recognize those minor interruptions as not interruptions, but opportunities in my life. And if that is something that you desire uh, to be used in this way, I'm just going to ask you to slip your hand. I want to join with you in raising my hand and say, Lord, use me to be an influence this week for somebody who needs you. Hands are going up. I just want to join my faith with you. I, I just want to pray with you on this thing. So many hands going up. You can, you can all put your hands down. I wonder today, is there somebody who you are the result of a series of influences and you find yourself here and you recognize that you need Jesus to transform you. You need his forgiveness and you need a brand new life with him. And you'll say, pastor, I need Jesus to become the Lord of my life and I need him to be my savior. Christians are praying If that is you today and you need to make that decision this morning, I will not embarrass you, but I do want to pray for you. Would you express that to me simply with an upraised hand? I want to pray for you. Yes, thank you. Yes, thank you. Yes, thank you. Are there others? You can put your hands down. Are there others? I need to make a decision today for Jesus Christ. I need him to transform my life like he did the woman at that well. Hallelujah. Let's all stand together. Can we do that? I'm going to pray a very specific prayer. I'm going to ask everybody in the room to repeat this prayer with me. Because we had a few people raise their hands saying, I need Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. Now, how many of you know that's the greatest miracle that could take place in any church anywhere on this earth right now?
Okay? So we're going to ask God. We're going to ask God together to do that. So we're all going to join together that way. So I'm going to ask you to repeat a prayer with me. But then after that prayer, I'm going to pray for all of us here who consider ourselves children of God, that he would use us to be influences in his kingdom, that we'd see the wells this week, and that we would speak into a life, that we would hear someone talk, that we would help somebody in need, and may that make a difference in someone's life. So let's all pray together. Would you repeat this prayer after me? Dear Jesus, I thank you for loving me and for dying on the cross for me. I ask you, come into my life. Forgive me of all of my sin. I recognize that I need a Savior. And I ask you now, take my sin away from me. But don't stop there. Transform me. Change me. And help me to become more like you. Help me to live for you every single day. In Jesus' name. And now, Lord, I ask you for your touch upon every single person within the sound of my voice. God, that you would help all of us, even those that may have prayed that prayer to ask you as Lord and Savior. God, use even all of us, Lord, no matter where we are in our spiritual journey to be an influence for somebody else. We may not have it all together. We may not even have all the answers. But God, here's what we could say. We could say that you have touched us and you have changed us. So, Lord, I pray, I pray that we would see the wells in our lives and God, that there would be people changed because of our obedience to your Holy Spirit. So Lord, I pray that you would go with us as we leave this place. And God, I ask you that you would do a great thing. And we love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Can we give God praise in his sanctuary today? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. If you'd like to stick around and pray or you need prayer, please feel free to do so. If God's released you, have a wonderful Father's Day. God bless you. We'll see you again soon.